This is getting better and better. Get some recipes. Look at that. Yes, sir. You haven't peaked yet. Mmm, I just can't, mm, I just can't wait. That's a lesson that games are not played on paper. No. But they're played on the field. I told you guys, I told you. I told you. Welcome to Evolve, a lifestyle brand that disrupts conventional thinking and challenges you to evolve your soul, evolve your body, evolve your mind, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. You have value, and you are not alone. When I close my eyes, I can see a whole different world. Wow, yeah. that's what I want to do, man. So with that, Jamie, uh, we, we love to start our show by asking our guests, what is inspiring you today? Is there some sort of music you're listening to? Is there a book you're reading? What's inspiring Jamie Martin tonight? Well, I'm actually in the midst of a book called Emotional Agility by psychologist oh. Susan David. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that one, but it's one that's been on my reading list for a really long time. And I kind of put it off, honestly. I was like, well, I'm not sure if I was, you know, if there was a lot of heavy stuff happening over the past year. And I was like, I just wanted to read a reading. And mm -hmm. I finally cracked open this book. I've been reading more about it. And it's, you know, it's kind of the opposite of emotionally being stuck, you know, emotional agility. Mm -hmm. How do we work with our emotions and learn from them and get insight? Wow. How do we become more flexible, um, but then mm -hmm. grow as a result? And so I've been spending a lot of time with that book. I'm about halfway through right now. And, you know, being a journalist as I am, I'm like, oh, there's a story idea. There's a story idea. But I'm realizing I kind of need to sit with it myself before mm -hmm. we go and make it into an article or do something else with the magazine. So that's the book. I've been spending a lot of time with and it's giving me a lot to reflect on and learn from in my a, own personal life. It's a great title, Emotional Agility. I love that title. Right. Yeah, you got me hooked wow. on that. Um, gonna, I know. I've got to pick that one up. Sure. Now, did you have you ever read any of Daniel Goleman's work with uh, emotional intelligence? Yes, we and we've covered okay. that in the magazine as well quite a bit. So it oh, that's right. Along those lines as well, you know. But this is I don't know. There was some something refreshing about this take on it that I'm excited mm. about, and I yeah, I definitely recommend so far. And yeah, Goldman tends to be a little bit heavy at times. <laughs> yes. Okay, music. Yeah, let's hear about the music. Music, I was going to say. So my husband recently got a record player. And so we're going through all sorts of records right now. Ooh. And this is an oldie, but we've got David Bowie, some of his. Yep. Uh, the Rise and Fall of the Ziggy Stardust. And part of the reason uh, I'm obsessed with that one is from the movie The Martian, when they play yeah. Starman in that movie. Over yeah. and, and so that's one of my family's favorite movies. We've watched that so many times. And then that record's been on repeat in our house a lot. So oh, you can never go wrong with a vinyl of Bowie. Right. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. We're in. Yes, that's, that's where we're at. Right pressure now. sounds better in vinyl. You've got you've got to listen. I'm gonna send you, Jamie. There's a podcast that Mike Rowe does, and he tells a story that's got David Bowie and kind of oh, his early did you listen to that episode, Casey? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, it yeah. is a great story. It'll go really awesome. well with the with listening to that yeah. uh, that record. Send it yeah, to my micro wife. podcast. Yeah. is really cool. Really, cool. micro tells some great stories, and that one for sure. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, uh, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us moving into phase two of his birthday celebration which is running around his apartment in his birthday suit in oberland ohio is w miles riley welcome miles this is my no birthday one can suit. see my, my you with your arms standing up there you go remember this is a podcast <laughs> not a broadcast and officially announcing his retirement from being the Madonna impersonator at Legends because he's moving back to Utah, baby. In Las Vegas, Nevada is Casey Mitch Mitchell. Welcome, Casey. Hello. And wondering where Brigham Young buried all of his wives in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today, our guest is Jamie Martin. Jamie, welcome. Jamie. We are so excited to have you. So guys, Jamie Martin is the editor-in-chief of Experience Life magazine, the award-winning health and fitness magazine that's published by Lifetime Healthy Way of Life that is dedicated to empowering its 3.1 million readers to live their healthiest, happiest, and most authentic lives. 
Jamie's career at the magazine began as an editorial intern in June of 2005, after earning her BA in professional journalism from the University of Minnesota. Over the past decade, she has worn many hats, including serving as senior director of content and then executive director. She was named editor-in-chief in January of 2016. Since taking the helm, Jamie has focused on an integrative print and digital content strategy while continuing the publication's mission to provide realistic, actionable, empowering, healthy living information. Under Jamie's leadership, the publication has won numerous regional and national awards for its print and digital initiatives, including four folio awards in, two, uh, in 2018. In 2017 and 18, Jamie swept the category for editors or publishers letter at the Regional Minnesota Media and Publishing Association Awards. As a lifetime, a lifelong health and living or healthy living enthusiast, Jamie's fitness interests include running, strength training, and yoga, including a certification in prenatal yoga instruction. She's also an advocate for Minnesota newborn screening legislation to include rare genetic disorders like, and I want to make sure I'm saying this right, Jamie, so correct me, Krabby? Krabby. Krabby. Okay, I looked it up and shame on you, Google, you taught me the wrong Krabby or Krabby. Yeah, yeah, blame Google. Yes, blame Google for everything. Thanks to her long tenure with the magazine and in-depth knowledge about health and wellness, Jamie is often called upon by international, uh, internally by colleagues and externally by the media and other groups for insights on health, fitness, and optimal living topics. She's a regular guest on CARE 11, which is the NBC affiliate in Minneapolis. She lives in the Twin Cities with her husband and two daughters, and together they enjoy biking, gardening, exploring, and spending time on Minnesota's beautiful lakes whenever they get a chance. Jamie Martin, welcome to the Evolve podcast. We are excited to have you. Well, thanks so much for having me. That's a mouthful of stuff you just said there. <laughs> yeah, I read that and I thought, I'm glad we are meeting this person. This is awesome. <laughs> What a cool well, career. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting career in that, you know, I think I said this to you in the show notes when I sent them ahead of time. You know, I am probably one of few people who has been in like one job, one company for the tenure of my career so far. So it's really, I'm going to be on 16 years with Lifetime and Experience Life mm. magazine this June and have just been there my career doing a variety of roles and really it all comes back to the passion for what we do there. And that's why I'm here and why I continue to do this work, you know, going on 15 plus years. It's pretty addictive. I mean, I was with Lifetime for just under 15 years and I would have never left it weren't for, if it weren't for the pandemic. I, my job disappeared. Uh, and so I had to find other employment. Uh, it really is a great company, great mission. So talk about the tenure there. You've seen a lot of different roles. What have those different roles taught you? Right. Well, I mean, I think from the very beginning, I came in as an intern. You know, I'd barely been graduated from college. I was two weeks out and I got a, an interview with the editor, then editor-in-chief and founding editor of the magazine, Pilar Gerasimo, who has been just an, such an influential person, person in my own growth over the years. And we were mm -hmm. literally, I was at my parents' farm in Wisconsin. She was at her family's farm in Wisconsin. And we had this conversation and I was hired. And that all came about because of, you know, connections that I had with her and former like writers of the magazine. And within starting my internship, three months later, I was hired full time as an editorial assistant where I was doing fact checking and editing and had opportunities to step into digital very early on because we were a small and scrappy team. You know, it was this mm. magazine that was being put out 10 times a year. Um, by about six or seven people. And it was, a, everyone had multiple roles and responsibilities. So you just took on different parts and you got to learn and discover kind of what you loved. And that was really how I ultimately ended up in the role I'm in now as editor in chief and also um, recently was named as vice president of content strategy for Lifetime. It was really about being willing to take on more being proactive, um, knowing when to say no as well to the things that weren't quite mm. right, but also just, trying things and saying yes to the things that felt like a good fit. And so I was able to, because we were a small team, 
I was able to try a lot of different things and get a lot of, build a lot of skills very quickly in my career. So I went from, you know, being an editorial assistant to doing fact checking and then kind of running the digital show for Experience Life specifically because we were allowed, we were given the go ahead to have an autonomous website out from underneath Lifetime's umbrella at that time. And so I kind of started that and that's kind of where I got into digital and, you know, social media we kicked off and all those things. So it was kind of, it just all snowballed. It kept going and just the skills kept building up and we were able to build teams and our team grew. So yeah, that what a great evolution. It's amazing sometimes how when you don't have a lot of resources, you're really forced to evolve because then you have to become and you have to learn so many different things. Yeah, I remember teaching myself, you know, I was in college and we had to make websites and do some videos and podcasting. That was part of my journalism final classes. And when I got hired at Lifetime, I was like, you're going to run this website and you're going to learn HTML. And I was like, oh, okay. So I quickly learned enough (laughs) HTML to be dangerous. And luckily we had good development partners and things we could do. But it was, it was kind of, you know, learning in some case, building from the ground up and being willing to admit what we didn't know when we needed help. And, but always being willing to learn. And I think that's one thing you'll, as we talk today, like I'm a lifelong learner. I'm willing to kind of step up and try things, even if I don't know exactly what I'm doing, um, but then also be willing to say, I need help and I need training. And there's these other things. You can teach yourself so much, but then where, what are the additional, what's the additional education and training that we need to really grow and to drive change? Right. So talk a little bit about that. You talk about lifelong learning. I, I consider myself the same. What are some different ways that you continue to grow and evolve in your learning? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm an avid reader. Like reading is my favorite way to to learn something new. You know, I love to pick up a good book, whether it's a personal development book or, you know, a training book of some sort and and dive in and learn as much as I can and then try and apply that in the various aspects of my life where they make sense. So reading for sure is one of them. Um, it's also for me, some of my growth is also stopping and saying like, where am I stuck right now? And where do I have an opportunity to change that? Like, where am I not feeling super fulfilled? And where do I need to challenge myself to, you know, stop and reflect on this? Really, to be honest, it's like, this isn't fitting me. So what what can I let go of and stop doing in order to open the door for something new? Um, and I'm not always the best of that. Some people say you're not, I don't delegate very well. It's something I'm always working on, but I find that when I am willing to delegate and to hand some things off or to let things go altogether, I, I find myself growing and stretching in new ways that I really, I find exciting and wanting to do more of that. Yeah, that's great. So as you went through this evolution process and you're learning, you're getting, you're kind of diving in, um, Part of that learning process is knowing, like you said earlier, of what you don't want to do, Mm -hmm. finding what you do want to do. So how do you structure your day now that you're in charge of it all? How do you structure your day based on what you learned? (laughs) Well, it's kind of dividing my day up between the variety. You know, there's the administrative tasks that have to get done when you're in a leadership role, administrative and leadership tasks that you have to take on and you have to make time for all of those things. And then it's the kind of production and execution. You know, we're producing a magazine that goes out 10 times a year. And as well as doing this other content for Lifetime as a whole, as Lifetime steps into it, you know, amplifies its thought leadership in the health and wellness space, it's it's figuring out like how much time is devoted to each. So I really do try and divide my days between kind of those three core components. You know, there's the lifetime content strategy that I'm working on in that side. It's the Experience Life magazine. Where do those two intersect and how can they support each other and lift each other up? And so we don't cross, you know, we're not crossing paths or duplicating efforts. And then it's the leadership side, which as we all probably know, that takes a lot of time and energy and it needs commitment. And so I try to make time for that every day, whether it's connecting with my team members who I'm, we're all very much virtual still in this world. So how do we connect one-on-one to keep nurturing relationships in this, you know, still hybrid world we're living in and going from there. So it's, you know, it's also just saying like, what are the things I'm not going to do? I'm going to try not to get sucked into the social media, which you have to kind of be there when we have a magazine, we're monitoring that I'm watching what my team is up to, but also knowing like, 
giving people ownership of what's theirs is really important. Like I need to let them do their thing. That's why we hired them. That's why we bring people on because that's their skill set. And we need to trust and empower people in what they do. They need that ownership. And ever, I think we all thrive when we know like I'm trusted here, I'm respected here and I'm going to go. So. Yeah, really a great leader can identify that. Sorry, yeah. Case, go ahead. No, I just, the very couple words you said there embodies a great leadership. Trust and empower your people. Mm -hmm. That's, there's 4 trillion books on leadership. But if you just focus on empowering people and trusting them, Mm -hmm. pretty much all that falls into place, right? Right. And I feel like that's how I've gotten to where I am in some ways, because people trusted and empowered me from very early in my career. You know, people were like, if I showed interest, if I raised my hand, you know, I I had to prove myself, but it was like, they gave me the ability to try and experiment. And I sometimes failed and I would step back and that's the area I sometimes wouldn't step into, but I was given that ability. And that's, and I was, I feel really lucky to have had that because it's something that hopefully I can nurture with my own team as, as it grows and it has grown. We're lucky to have that team now. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, Jamie, talk about what it felt like when you became editor in chief, you've been through all of these different positions and then the call came and uh, you, you were put into the game. Yeah. What was that like? Well, I mean, for it to officially happen was like, oh, this is this is actually happening. You know, you feel a little bit of imposter syndrome, like who me like this is me that this is happening to. Um, I will say that I had been in a role, you know, especially in that year leading up to being in the role. I knew that our founding editor was kind of starting to to see other opportunities out in the world. And so I had been pulled in closer. So even though I've been largely focused on a lot of digital things, I always had my hand and or one foot in the editorial side with the magazine. I was still involved. I read every every article, every issue, cover to cover. Um, and so when that transition started happening, I really stepped in. I was like, I, you know, I think I'm ready to be in this space. I think I'm ready to step into this role. And so for about a year leading up, I started doing, spending more time with our founding editor and really Mm. kind of learning, you know, what was all going on in her world and how she was handling things and what was happening. And when that official transition started happening in late 2015, early 2016, I was, I was ready, but also you're like, okay, this is real. And now I'm stepping into this role that had much higher, like more visible profile. You know, I have a letter in every issue of the magazine before I was kind of behind the scenes. I was an executor. I was doing all the things I could make it all happen, but it was all very much behind the scenes. And in this case, it was stepping into a more visible role, not just with the magazine, but with Lifetime as an organization as a whole and being more involved with our corporate side and and bringing the magazine closer to Lifetime as as a whole in terms of philosophy and working together. Yeah, well, and I, I was just going to say, you set me up perfectly for that one. Uh, one of my observations uh, since you've taken the magazine over is there was a greater integration between Lifetime as a company and Experience Life, the magazine. There were times where I would, when I started back in 2006, where I would read the magazine and I would think, man, this is great. And then I would listen to some of our leaders speak and I'm like, wow, that's not what's in the magazine. <laughs> you know, total different ways of thinking and doing things. And I started to see um, right around the time that you started to take over more of this integration, more of the people that were working in the field uh, with Lifetime coming in and giving great input. And there was this alignment. And so it it wasn't, it didn't seem or feel like two different companies anymore. It was, we've got this great magazine that's giving great content, always has. Oh, and by the way, now we're actually trying to be a healthy company too. We want to take care of our people. We want to show the love. So kudos to you. I'm not sure how you did it, but uh, I noticed the difference. Oh, well, thank you. It was really cool to see. Yeah. And that was really a concerted effort to um, bring the magazine closer. There was a time where it was, we would always describe it. Lifetime was the mainland experience. Life was a little island over here. And it was always meant to be this kind of progressive health and wellness magazine. Um, but we saw this opportunity to really start leveraging the expertise at Lifetime. There's so many smart 
people out in the field with at the corporate office who had this knowledge and this like information that just was within our walls already. And so how do we integrate that in a way that's really thoughtful while still remaining a consumer health and wellness magazine mm -hmm. that you don't have to be a member of Lifetime to like, to consume the information, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter your health goals, you can apply this information. We're just seeing a few more Lifetime experts within the pages. Yeah, I think it's you know, great. I actually and, and thought and when we uh, came on, I thought, we, Jay, I thought Jamie would be in a room and you just like have random magazines scattered all over the place of like, you know, Atlantic Monthly and Vanity Fair and, and Newsweek and like, <laughs> what, are, what are like your favorite magazines? Like when you want to get away and just get away from it all, is there, do you have a favorite magazine that you look at, you like the style of it or, you know, the articles and things like that? You know, one of my most recent favorite ones is Magnolia Journal. Um, which is oh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, they have mm. Fixer Upper and they have the whole yeah. Magnolia. Um, I love the TV show. Yeah, HGTV show. So they started a magazine mm. a couple years ago. And I really love the interesting, they're doing such an interesting job of melding, you know, like obviously they have this home improvement show or like they're flipping houses, but they really take a thoughtful approach to their magazine. So it's about personal development. It's about tuning into who you are and what matters to you most. And so I really find a lot of joy in looking at that publication. It's one of my favorites. Nice. Um, nice. And I, I mean, I, it sounds really cliche, but you know, I still love picking up real simple and flipping through those pages mm. or. Oh yeah. That's a great magazine. It's great. Or um, eating well. Whenever I'm at the airport and I'm getting ready to get on a flight, eating well is when I pick up because I just like the food imagery is so stunning. And like, it makes me want to just cook. And I'm, you know, I work for a health and wellness magazine. We talk about nutrition and cooking all the time. My husband is the primary cook in our home and I'm hundred percent mm. okay with that, but I have aspirations to, to cook these beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> these meals that are in this other magazine. So <laughs> Well, you've got great people around you that can teach you. In fact, I was listening to a re an, an episode recently of your podcast, Lifetime Talks, and I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite, because of the people that were on it. I love Julie Brown, and I love uh, Ryan Dodge. I think the title of the episode was uh, Healthy Eating Doesn't Need to be Boring, and um, you guys did a great job. Uh, Chef Dodge is one of my favorite people. Um so do you have an episode on your podcast that is one of your favorites or one of the things that stuck out to you the most? Man, we're in the midst of season three right now. And let me think here. There's been several. Um, oh, goodness. Well, okay. So Julie or Julie, I'm going to say Julie Braun and Chef Dodge was a really fun episode. That was when our that was our first season and we were just getting our feet under us. And I'll mm -hmm. never forget, we were sitting in a studio at that time. We were actually in a studio recording. And I remember Dodge, he was like, going back and forth on his chair and he had big stories and big motions and that was a fun one but another a couple episodes with jen elmquist who is the creator of the lifetime mind yeah. uh, coaching performance program at life yeah, jen's great she has been on talking about mental health and well-being and she has other team members as well who've been on, including Brie Vortherms. And it's those episodes often and that are about like vulnerability and managing our anxiety and other mental health things that I sit there and I'm like, these are the episodes, this is why we do what we do. You know, it's those kind of episodes that are practical tips, but also relatable and help people not feel so alone wherever they are in their own personal mental health and well-being journey. And so those are some of the episodes that have stuck with me the most and that I find myself applying, you know, the tactics and resources and tools that they've um, given us in my daily life. So there's one yeah, that's great. three Vortherms where she gave us this grounding exercise. And I was sitting in this chair when we recorded that. And I still find myself looking around sometimes and doing that same exercise. So it's a I'll little have to listen. Thing. I haven't listened to that one yet. That's yeah, great. That was season two, I believe, if you check that one okay. out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So talk about Lifetime uh, Talks. What is the mission behind that podcast? What are you guys uh, hoping to accomplish and achieve? Well, it's really all about kind of expanding on Lifetime's mission to help people, empower people to live their lives as healthy as they can be, meeting people where they are and providing useful, realistic information that can they can apply in their lives, whether it's something where they're looking to change their nutrition habits, whether they're looking to get more movement in their life, whether they need more sleep. So we're really trying to hit on all of what we call our pillars of health and wellness at Lifetime to help people begin to make changes that like they can do one day at a time 
And like, I can do this little thing better tomorrow than I did today. So it's really about practical advice for embracing healthy living and helping more people do that in a way that feels sustainable to them. Sustainable is a key thing, both for experience life and for lifetime. We're not about quick fixes. We're not about realizing that things are going to happen overnight in your health and wellness jersey. It takes practice. One thing that my co-host David Freeman often says is it takes touches. You know, you have to do these things over and over and over again. And so until they become habits, right? So we, this is the, these are the types of tips and information we aim to share in hopes that they help people make strides in their healthy living in ways that they can sustain for the long term. Yeah, well, at Evolve, I mean, we believe the same thing. Personal evolution is going to be something that's going to happen over time. It's not about the crash diet, I 10 pounds lighter, and then I'm 20 pounds heavier later on. It's about these small, sustained changes over time. Now, you went into a, a massive change. Uh, you talked about a few years ago where you had something traumatic happen in your family that gave you some different perspective on life. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So back in 2013, you know, I'm trying to, I have to put the timeline back together. It feels like yesterday sometimes. And then other times it feels like that was a long time ago. So um, my sister and I, my sister is two years younger than me. I'm the oldest of four um, from a small rural farming community in Wisconsin. And um, my sister and I were actually both expecting our babies at the same time. So my sister was due a month before me. I had my second daughter um, a month after her. Our, our kids are literally a month apart to the day. Um, and it was about six months later after they were born, my nephew, um, and he was my sister's first child, was diagnosed with crab A disease, which you mentioned at the top of the show. So crab A disease is a rare genetic disorder. It's an autosomal recessive disorder, which means that my sister and her husband actually both carry the same mutated gene and passed it on. They had no idea before you know he was born that they that either of them even carried this gene. Um, but it ended up um, it's a genetic disorder where usually it afflicts the kids before age two. Most children don't actually live beyond age two, and they start showing symptoms. Um, in, what, in many cases, it reminds you of kind of ALS in adults where, you know, they, it affects the nerve endings. And so they lose the ability to control their body. I, we first started noticing things with my nephew when he was about five months old, his, he couldn't hold his head up anymore. You know, I had, he was five months old. My daughter was four months old and my daughter was holding her head up. And I remember mm. being like, why, why isn't he holding his head up? Like, why isn't he doing some of these things? And you don't want to compare, you don't want to say anything because he, there had been no issues to that point. But yeah, in November of 2013, he was diagnosed with crab A and it was it, the, the next year. Cause he died a year and a week to the later. And it, there just things happen so fast. You know, he went from you know, kind of being able to sit up to not being able to sit up. He couldn't swallow within the first month of his diagnosis. So he was on a G tube wow. and, you know, just watching this thing happen to my sister's only child to seeing him slip away, lose his abilities, but also having to kind of be there, you know, she's my sister, she's my best friend. And how do I show up? Um, while at the same time being a mom, being a wife, working full time and just juggling it. And I'll, I'll never forget. There was one moment. I can't remember how many months into it, but I had a colleague of mine say to me, she's like, you are so resilient through this. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like I'm just living right now. I'm kind of just surviving, but it was, it's, you know, and I look back and like, there is an element of resilience that I think we all end up tapping into in those really hard moments. Um, I describe what happened at that point. Like my sister and her husband and my nephew Bryce, they were in the bullseye, you know, this had happened directly to them. And I was kind of on that first outer ring, you know, and so it didn't happen directly to me, you know, but I was, it was so close. And so how am I there for them? It was about being there and being a rock for them and knowing that there were some things, you know, as a sister that you just kind of take sometimes, you know, like she needs to yeah. vent, I'm here for you. I can be that and I can shield myself, you know, and it'll be okay. Cause you need to just say these things. You don't feel safe saying it anywhere else. And so it was a really trying year and it, kind of a blur when I look back, but you know, we learned so much and it, motivated me, you know, in that year, we couldn't do a lot to advocate for change. You know, it wasn't, Crab A is not a disease that many states test for at newborn screenings. Um, more states are, and it's continuing to be fought for by families who are afflicted by this. Um, but 
it wasn't until after that we started to do some of that work. And I wish I could say I'm not doing as much as I should be in that space right now. It's one of those passion areas that I want to get back to because there is change that's happening at a variety of different state levels right now. Wisconsin is seeing some good progress. That's where my sister lives and they're hopeful for getting Crab A added to the newborn screening there among other states that are doing it. But yeah, I mean, when you look back, it's like that just changes thing. You have somebody who this innocent child who this thing affects and makes you grateful for the health you do have, um, wanting you to kind of take more ownership over what you can control. He couldn't control what happened to him, but I can choose in my yeah. life until that thing happens to me. So sometimes we don't understand the uh, the qualities or the uh, characteristics that we're exhibiting during moments like that because we tend to get funnel uh, or excuse me tunnel vision. Get so focused on what's going on. So when your colleague talked to you about resilience and you don't even have an awareness of that, um, I, I hear you. I mean, that's pretty normal. We just go into it doing the best that we can. How do you define resilience now that you've had some time to reflect on it? Um, what's your definition of it? It's being willing to face adversity with a level of acceptance um, and being able to step into those moments and and rise to an occasion, even when it's really, really hard and you really wish you could run in the other direction. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I wish that wasn't happening to me. I wish I could turn the other way. I wish I could pretend this wasn't happening. How does this happen? Why does this happen? But kind of having to just stand in it and face it and do whatever you can to get through that challenge. You know, it's rising to the occasion in some cases as hard as it is going to be. So yeah, what a beautiful definition. I was just going to say, and knowing that you're going to grow from it, right? Like hopefully you can learn something from this and grow and do something else down the road and continue to, to change something for the better. Yeah. Interesting. We uh, all talk and to, to, we, we talked out of both sides of our mouths with emotions on things like, oh, why can't things just be easy and go, go smooth and, Mm -hmm. to smell the roses and then the other conversation is what you just said i'm going to learn i'm going to grow i'm going to run into the storm i'm going to face the adversity i'm going to i don't know what i got to do but i'm just going to go i'm going into it and i'm going to come out better on the other side and i'm going to be there for people and it's going to be hard and it's going to be frustrating and then we so we have that like emotional battle back and forth we're only going to grow and evolve in those times where the true test of am I going to stand in this place and push or am I just going to blow away in the wind? Right. I think I love how you said that. That's great. One of my favorite books that I read shortly after all this happened. And I remember, you know, trying to process and doing my own version, like therapy and work and grief counseling was a book called um, The Power of Meaning by Emily Esfahani Smith is her name. And she, we've done some work with her in the magazine as well, but it was, you know, she really talked about how adversity is one of the ways we find deeper meaning in life where we, we learn and we grow and we understand really what matters and how do we step more into our true purpose. Um, it's like the little things that you sometimes stress about. And don't get me wrong. I still stress about the little things all the time, <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it, they're, they're the moments where I, when I remember to stop myself and I have awareness to say, okay, it could be, it could be harder than this. It could be worse than this. Um, and just remember, like, it's all relative to anyone's given situation, but yeah. you know, how, how do I grow and find meaning in this loss? How do I make lemonade out of these, this lemon that was handed to us? It sounds a little cliche, but what do we do next? Cause we can't change the circumstances in that situation. Like we, it's my nephew's condition. There's nothing they can do. There's no cure. There's nothing, but what can we do next to support other families who are going through it to maybe change some of the newborn screening, you know, policies in different States. Um, but those are the things we can do. And how do we like make that part of our next phase, I guess. Yeah. And I like how you're talking about showing up for, for her as well. You know, I can, I can, not relate directly to what you went through, but somewhat. My, my sister, uh, her son, my nephew, has a condition called Dravet syndrome. And Dravet syndrome is essentially a multiple seizures throughout the day that essentially that wastes away his brain and his body. And most people with Dravet syndrome, they say, won't live past their teens or early 20s. And he's 16 years old and still 
functioning, but I see all of the challenge that they have gone through and it's tough. And like you said, they've got the bullseye on them. I don't have the bullseye, but we as a family feel that. And I think showing up and being there in whatever way you can is what's important. And it's hard. I mean, there are times where my nephew, he, he likes calling me and having conversations. And sometimes he'll call me and he's like, Steve, I'm just really sad or I'm really upset because I'm never going to be able to drive a car. And that's heartbreaking for me because I love this kid. And I wish I could tell him that he could drive a car, but there's no way he'll be able to with his condition. And you feel that and you want to run away. And I love what you said earlier, Jamie, when you're talking about that this, you, you find what matters, but you also find what doesn't matter. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like he'll call me and ask me questions and say, well, Uncle Steve, what about this? And I'll say, Patey, that doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Just focus on this thing over here. Because um, while there might be meaning to everything, not everything matters. Right. right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I, with this resilience, talk about how, as, as you've reflected on it, how are you showing up in life utilizing this strength of resilience um, over the past year? We've, we've all been through a lot um, with this pandemic. Um, how, how has this pushed you forward? Oh, yeah. This last year has been an interesting one, right? Like we've all been through it. I think, you know, I think starting early on, it was just knowing like there's there's still work to be done, right? Like in, in my role and with my team and with professionally, I will say, showing up, it was about, you know, how do we continue to do good work in this world? And how do we help to educate and inform around it? So with my team, that was an obvious thing. Like we're a health and wellness magazine. How do we show up and inform our readers and be a support system um, for our community of readers um, and for the lifetime community and for each other as a team? You know, we were all figuring things out on the fly. Um, personally, it actually was a really interesting year of self-reflection for me. You know, I yeah. sat down and it was like, okay, I need to really think like, how is, is this sustainable? How do we do this? Um, my kids were home. My husband was home. We're all trying to juggle these things. And it was really, <laughs> I, I, what I've found is that, you know, we could have stressed about like the constant meals and the constant dishes and all the things that mm -hmm. were just like, oh my gosh, this is not how we live our life. And I'm not sure how I can do this. It was more about kind of finding the silver linings in all of it for me. I mean, there were days when I'd be sitting in this chair in this office and I have a view of a street view of my neighborhood. And I would look out and I would see my kids doing something that had I been at an office, I would have missed. You know, I saw my yeah. kid out there on the sidewalk one day, she was doing this yoga tree pose on the sidewalk. And I was like, what? And so I took a break. I paused. I was, and I went out there. And there were so many moments where I'm like, I built deeper connections with my neighbors who became our tri our tribe and our our family during that period of time. And so it was like, yes, this is hard. Understanding that like we we're in a pretty good position. We had some privilege in this in the situation. Like we're we were better off than a lot of people were. And so like, how do we make the most of this? And also, how do we support those who aren't in as fortunate of a situation? How can we help others who are in a in a tough time right now? And so that was where it was. It was kind of, again, showing up in different ways, but it was in, in some cases, personally, it was showing up for my family and our community right outside my window and just being there and being willing to say, this is where we have to be right now. And that's okay. It's going to mean stepping away from some of this, this work a little earlier than normal. So we can be part of something bigger and help each other through this really, this time of unknown where information was changing so fast every day. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> like, let's be there for each other in whatever ways we can. Yeah, a lot how of information. Like build this change. into the national. It's like, how do you build this into the national culture after this year of like <laughs> taking a break? Like, how do we formalize this thing so it's not as tragic as a pandemic, but you get to spend time away from everything in terms of jobs and things like that, so you can have those moments where you look outside with your kids and you run out and you play with them, and you don't have to worry about this. I think that's the thing. I think is a great, the greatest lesson to try to learn in all this is. You got to spend so much time with yourself and the things you did. And how do you really appreciate that? How do you just like take the time instead of this production all the time, produce, 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 right. which is a great thing. And we've built a, 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 a tremendous country with that. But at the same time, you know, we've kind of burned through people. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, the rate of burnout right now in our country, the rate of burnout, the mental exhaustion, the mental fatigue that so many people are feeling, because I will say those first few days when the pandemic started, not that we want to spend time on this, but like I was head down for hours on end at that time, lifetime, for instance, and you guys are, you know, members or former team members, you know, we shut down. And so all of a sudden lifetime didn't have the four walls of its health club, but we had to communicate with our membership. And so they needed content and experience life was a huge form of content. So we were just like, shoving content like how do we stay engaged and stay connected those first couple of weeks it was like that and then it was probably about a month in or so we're like okay this isn't changing anytime soon we got to figure out how do we make this a little bit yeah. more sustainable how do we find, find your stride right find a, a sustainable start like we cannot sprint a marathon this is not mm. that is not going to happen and <laughs> so like we need to slow down and and that's kind of what we kind of had to force ourselves to do a little bit even though it didn't stop ever but it was those little moments, those little opportunities that to find a little bit of peace in the silver linings in all of it, in my mind. Yeah. It sounds cliche too, but it's that's what it was. Yeah, it really is. It's hey, empower or it's impactful and empowering. Hey Jamie, how's your chess play? <laughs> Do I, chess? Are you like the chess game? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's funny you say that because my 10 year old is a better chess player than I am, but I finally sat down with her this year and really played <clears throat> and I'm not great, but I have beat her a couple times without, we had this no stress <laughs> chess game. Have you guys heard of no stress chess? Have you seen no, this? No. It's basically to teach kids to play chess. So you've got the cards, right? And that's how I learned to play chess. Um, but I, I beat my daughter this year without the cards and it was pretty impressive. Proud, proud <laughs> did, so, did you and your daughter actually get a chance to sit down and watch that movie Queen's Gambit? Well, she's not quite old enough for Queen's Gambit, but my husband, oh, and okay. I did, my husband and I did watch Queen's Gambit among other shows. So <laughs> that's great. Well, Jamie, so this last year, there was a ton of information that was constantly coming at us and it was changing every day, every week. But in health and wellness, information changes constantly. There's always a new study that comes out that says something that we used to think was good is now bad and vice versa. So as the editor of the magazine, how do you sift through this overwhelming information that's coming at you in order to determine what you're actually going to publish into the magazine? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, Experience Life has always been what we've described as like a progressive health and wellness magazine. So we've really aimed to kind of be out on the forefront of what's happening in terms of health, wellness, nutrition, quality of life, uh, sustainability, environmental well-being. Um, and so I'm really lucky that I have this amazing team of editors and researchers, <clears throat> excuse me, who are plugged in to the, to the world. We know what sources we do use and we don't use, what research bodies we follow when we don't follow. Um, and then the conferences and the experts and the writers that we're constantly working with. Um, and so we really, I rely largely on our editorial team and then, you know, we were able to participate in many virtual conferences over the past year as, you know, in place of the in-person things that we would normally do. But it's really, it's about who's behind the research. You know, we take a very uh, proactive approach. It takes us uh, seven months to produce any given issue of the print magazine. And it's wow. because of the process we go through. It's vetting and fact-checking multiple times through um, the sources behind everything. And it's always like, how many people were in this study? Is it <clears throat> correlation or causation? You know, how do we, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a tickle. Who, who was funding the study. I mean, I think yes. that a lot of people don't understand this. I, my background um, is in exercise physiology and I read yeah. a lot of studies over the years and you can, you can smell a bad study a mile oh. away if you've read enough. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's funny because my brother and I talk about this constantly. He's got a master's degree in ex-phys and then he has a PhD in physiology and he's a cardiologist as well. So he is about as nerdy as they come. And so we're, we're talking about all these quote unquote studies that come out and he'll, I'll say, Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, I'm not sure if this is any good. He reads it. He goes, this is garbage. Most of the studies that come out are garbage because they're trying to be slanted one way or another. So that's gotta be tough for your team to sift through and to identify. It's a constant, I mean, it's always questioning and challenging the ideas, right? Like, you know, we can see like coffee is good for you today. It's not good for you tomorrow. Same with eggs and cholesterol and everything else. And so again- Be careful on that one. Miles will get mad at you if you tell him that his coffee's bad for him. Oh, I, I will. I'm never going to say that because I love my coffee. 
Yeah. And my eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but it really it is. And you know, we've published stories about like how to dig deeper into what's behind the research. You know, we mm-hmm. we live in a society right now where everything is headlines, it's bite-sized tidbits. So we have to dig deeper than that and really find out who's behind it. One of our editors a couple of years ago did a piece on dark chocolate. You know, dark chocolate is good for you. Um, but when you look at a lot of the and it can be, right? If it's pure, if it's more 80%, whatever. Right. Um, right. But when you look at who's funding a lot of that research, it's, it's a lot of the, it's Nestle. It's a lot of those other yeah. brands that are behind the research. And so you really have to figure out like who's behind it. Is it a valid study? Has it been validated or tested in another place? You know, it, it's a constant struggle and we've been caught. There have been times where we're like, Ooh, that was one we maybe shouldn't have published and we'll maybe take it down off the website. We can't take it out of print. A magazine lives forever. Um, but few and far between with that, but it's really about our vetting process. And we have a really robust fact-checking process that challenges anything we put in the magazine. Every quote, every statistic, every study is checked and checked again in many cases. So, Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why Experience Life separates itself as a magazine and periodical uh, from Muscle and Fiction and many of the others that are out there, because you're not just putting stuff out that is the latest fad. Right. And it really, I mean, I think that's the trouble, you know, we often will say, and this is something our founding editor said, it's like, it's not about the six pack abs. It's we're a no gimmicks, no hype health and wellness magazine. And that can make us kind of boring because honestly, when you look at a lot of the, the health and wellness advice that's in every issue, it's move regularly. It's eat a well-balanced mm-hmm. um, diet full of a lots of real foods in their natural form. It's manage your stress, it's sleep, it's nurture your social connections. And it's these things, and we kind of sound like a broken record sometimes, but really those are the foundational fundamental things that can support true health and well-being and can be sustainable. Um, so we're not going to say do this workout and you're going to get six pack abs in a week or two weeks or even a month necessarily. <laughs> like we're just not going to go there because we want to make this something that's realistic and sustainable for people. Um, and no gimmicks, no hype. It kind of means we're not all that sexy sometimes, but hopefully we're reliable and trustworthy and forward thinking and in depth. Yeah. I really Wait, with can't all this... get a six pack. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> no, you, you can't. Can over <laughs> with a certain amount of work, you know. No, not the way, not the way he lives. He can't. <laughs> Two weeks. It's like a like it's a long time. Oh come on now. If if uh, every day at three o'clock the wine glass is out, there's no way you're getting a six pack there, pal. So Jamie, you've got a ton of content coming at you constantly. You read a lot. Yeah. How do you disseminate and just identify for you what what does Jamie need to work on? What is Jamie focusing on? How do you take all of this information and then say, but now I'm going to do this? Mm. It's a really tough one, Steve, because I will say sometimes it can almost feel a little bit paralyzing because there is so much. I imagine. I'm the editor of this magazine and I need to walk this talk. And if I don't walk it perfectly, am I not quite walking the talk? You know, so Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I really am about, I kind of take an 80-20 approach to a lot of things in my life. I, I, I am human. I am not perfect. I think it's more about how do I make sure that I'm getting the movement, eating nutritiously most of the time. I'm supporting my body, knowing what works and what doesn't for me. Um, so, so 80% cookies, fun. 20% vegetables is that right right yeah, yeah okay. right. If, if only it was that if only that could be that right like I that's my 80 20 that's, <laughs> that's your only, problem casey yeah, yeah. I, there's too many crumble cookies in las vegas oh. came all over the place i know those temptations they're they're everywhere they're um everywhere. But i'm also not judging myself you know like i you know i can sometimes judge myself because I'm like, well, we said this thing in the magazine and I didn't do this. So it's like, I have to remember that just like everybody else, I'm human. I'm experiencing life, which is the name of our magazine, just like everybody mm-hmm. else. Um, I think I have the foundational pieces in place and I've had them in a place for a long time, you know, movement, nutrition, you know, managing stress. I think the thing that after this last year, that's really is a focus for me is mental well-being and uh, mm-hmm. just making sure that I'm balancing you know, my professional and personal life and setting some boundaries that really do nurture um, 
time for building back relationships that I haven't been able to nurture as much just because of distance in the last year. Right. So there's a mental well-being component that for me is more of a priority right now as we kind of come out of COVID, as we start to return to some semblance of normal in the world. Um, just taking care of myself and being kind to myself as I readjust again, you know, we're constantly having to adapt, but it's, this was, that was a quick adaptation we had to do last year. And now we're easing back into another thing. And how do we, how can we be kind to ourselves and others as we figure all of this out? And kindness, I think is key in all of it. Right. I, I agree. I think kindness and empathy go a long way when it comes to our personal evolution and growth. Yeah. Absolutely. So, with, I would imagine as editor in chief, and you are you're getting a lot of info or a lot of feedback. Um, maybe some good, maybe some bad. How do you deal with the feedback? You know, when you're published, you know we're published by Lifetime, so we have members of all ages, genders, ethnicities, whatever. I think it's knowing that you're not ever going to make everybody happy, right? Like, you know, there's going to be some things that people disagree with, and knowing like we're doing our best to invite people along on this, this journey with us. We try to um, empower and invite versus hitting people over the head with information. And we have been caught on that a few times. Like, Oh, this is, this isn't sustainable. We can't do this. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you in this lane? You know, this last year, there's been a lot going on. It's not just um, with COVID, but we have a social, we have social justice issues, racial inequities. Right. Um, how right. do those things intertwine with health and wellness? They are not separate. It's all connected. And so we have um, been covering more in terms of how does, how is our health and well-being affected by what's happening in our culture? And some people don't like those things. They don't want to hear about that mm -hmm. from us. Um, but we're still, we're kind of standing strong and saying like, here's why, here's, here's our reasoning. And when we get into those situations, it's often about just explaining your why and being willing to have the conversations and talk to people and sometimes just listen, like people just want to be heard. Right. So how do we, yeah. hear? How do yeah. we hear? and there's certain tones of messages with like, no, we're not going to respond to that because it's not going to be a constructive conversation, but when it can be, and you can have a conversation, you can listen and hear each other. It, it can make all the difference. So being yeah. open-minded and being willing to just connect with people, even if we might have difference in opinions about things. It's a great perspective. I appreciate that. I think one of the things that inspires me about what you're doing and, and what you've been able to create is that, um, I mean, let's, let's be honest, there is a glass ceiling many times in the corporate world. And I think it is, can be tougher for women to uh, get to positions of power, vice president positions. I mean, I saw that I can probably count on one hand, the number of female vice presidents that I saw in a uh, lifetime. And I think it's empowering. And what you're doing is empowering uh, to other women and other hopefully young women to say, hey, I can do that. What advice would you give to other women or to young women who want to be awesome, badass, cool, and get into business and do what you've done? Well, I think number one, it's believing in yourself, knowing your abilities, believing in those abilities, not being afraid to advocate for yourself and those abilities. You know, it's number, you just have to be willing to, you know, be your, your own biggest, biggest champion, I guess, in the world and, and find your, your group of people who support you and who can be your sounding board about how to approach different situations. Um, in, in those moments where you feel like there's some resistance, like how, do, who do I go to and how do I talk through this and how do I, you know, get some perspective that I may not be seeing because I'm too close to a situation. Um, mm -hmm. So being willing to always connect and go back and have those conversations. I think the other thing that for me has been so critical and maybe it might've been a little bit of naive early in my career, but I just, I was proactive and I would raise my hand and say, I'm going to try that. And sometimes people would say, no, I'll be like, well, let's let me try. <laughs> like, let me go for this. It's, it's actually a characteristic. I'll never forget this. My high school basketball coach, we were at an awards ceremony one time and he was talking about different characteristics of each of the player. And he would say, he said about me, he's like, she she'd give her criticism and she just smiles and keeps going. She takes it and keeps going. And yeah. I think that's the thing is kind of this level of persistence and like, I can do this. Like, you're going to tell me that I'm going to try. I'm going to try harder and I'm going to prove myself. That doesn't mean it always succeeds, but it's being willing to be proactive and, and give it my all, even if it's not always going to work. And that's just for me, it's like, 
being willing to step into it, to show up again, you know, and, you know, be you as you're doing it as well. Like if I was trying to do this job as somebody else, as trying, if I was trying to step into the footsteps of our former editor in chief, I would not be succeeding right now because I'd have somebody else's voice in my ear constantly. So it's like, how do I do this authentically as me and bring my best self to this space? Um, mm. Because that's that's what's going to get me somewhere. I have to be me and own the skills and knowledge um, and experiences that I have that have gotten me here. So so be you, be proactive, believe in yourself. You know, like- God, you just scared me when you said that. You just scared <laughs> me when you said that because- you know, you think of teenagers, teenage girls and boys, and in the flood of the social media that they hit with all these images of everybody else, it's like there's no real time to go reckon with yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's almost like kids nowadays have to be almost stronger because the forces that are impacting them are way stronger than when we were younger. Yeah. I think you know, about so, that as a parent all the time. You yeah, know, I'm raising yeah. young daughters who are growing up in the age of social media. Like they're never going to know any different. And how do we navigate that? I'm not, I'm not sure yet, but how do we, from a very young age, start empowering them to, to trust themselves, to believe in themselves, themselves, to not, yeah. you know, know that comparisons are kind of always going to potentially be in the back of our mind, but how do we let them go you know we it's hard we everything is a comparison game we're all putting our best selves out onto social media we don't often see the hard stuff but we have to right. know that like everybody has hard stuff you know everybody's going through something and you know still trying to be the best you you can be in spite of that and not knowing that not having to measure yourself against anybody but you you know yeah, people have no idea how many dishes that I've put on Facebook or, or, or Instagram of my plating of my food. They have no idea how much food I threw away just to get to that one dish. <laughs> right. I believe the, that. The mess behind the, like the, behind the right. scenes thing that nobody yeah. sees while we curate our lives. Yeah, exactly. But that's why I think the example that we set as parents, you know, it, actually leaning in. We I, I heard someone say once that uh, you can teach your kids all you want, but they're going to learn more from what your example is and what you do. So I love the fact that you're talking about believe in yourself and be proactive. My wife and I had this conversation about six or so months ago. She had been passed up for a uh, an opportunity with the company that she works in or works with. And, you know, she she's in a very male dominated um, industry and she was frustrated. We, we talked about it and I said, you know what, you've you got to be proactive and you've got to be you like literally those same things. And she goes, yeah, you're right. I'm going to do it. And so she called up, you know, nobody's in the office. So she called her bosses up, got on FaceTime, had conversations. A few weeks later, she's in the job that she wanted to be in because she was qualified and she deserved it. And then she gets in there and she looks around and she says, okay, these are the guys that they passed me up for. I'm chasing them and I'm going to beat them. And so within two weeks, she's number one on the team and has maintained either number one or number two. The only person that has ever beaten her is a guy that is a seven or eight year veteran on this team and uh, in, in production. And she's, I, she's showing up. And, and we talk about that often that I said, Danielle, I think that the kids, the, the girls for sure are seeing this and your example is going to teach them right. how we want them to be when they grow up because when they're when they're out we've got one daughter that's out of the house already we got another one that's you know going into her senior year in high school and they are learning from a very strong powerful mother that uh by that example and i, I think we need uh, more of those examples out in the world i think that's a great example and I, I i can probably relate to her in that there's probably moments where she's like is this a good example because then it's like well am i really there for them as much as i could be you oh, know yeah. you're a parent yeah. You know, that's one of the things I've said to my husband over the years. It's like, have I missed too much because I've I, I've been working full time the entire time my kids have been in this world. And when I really think about it, I do think about the example I'm setting for them. And he often asks me, he's like, what have you missed? What have you really missed of theirs? And and I haven't like I haven't really missed anything. I'm still there. I still make them a priority and I'm still able yeah. to pursue these passions and these interests. And, you know, I, the thing that I love about what I get to do with experience life and with lifetime is like the work we're doing is really to help 
change people and empower people, empowered people to change their lives for the healthier. And that as a whole can help change, hopefully some things in the world for the better. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. I'm passionate when I'm talking about that work and, and getting to have these opportunities to have conversations with you guys about this, because like we get to do this work that we love and are passionate about. And we get to set that example for people, not just my kids, but other kids. You know, I sat in on a, my sister is a, my sister-in-law is a teacher. And I sat in on a magazine deadline class that they're creating in for graders. And it's like, it's like, we get to help inspire people when we're passionate about what we do. And if we can leverage that and maybe it inspires one of those kids in that class to go on to a career that they really love in publishing all the better. So, yeah. Well, it reminds me of uh, Chip and Dan Heath's book, uh, Power of Moments. Yeah. You know, when we, uh, they, we remember moments, and that's one of the biggest things that they talk about in that book uh, with their research. We don't remember time. We don't. So, when you talk about missing out, the kids are going to remember the moments that you're there. They're going to remember those moments that were impactful or insightful. And, um, I, I think that took a lot of guilt off of my plate when I when I read that book and I thought, okay, yeah, I've been gone a lot, but it's really the moments that we're creating while we're here. Exactly, when we're present and in those moments, right. make the space. So. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, as we wrap up here, um, oh, sorry, Case, did you have something? Well, I just I really like the conversation you guys are having, on, and, and you, Jamie, you brought it up several times. You use different words, but it's the same, um, being present. Mm-hmm. The best evolution you go through in life is being present, being yeah. being here now, being aware, being being uh, cognizant of what is going on around you, and how you can learn from that. And as a parent, as we all are parents, um, it's it's so true. It's not about although you want to spend a lot of time with your kids and their family, but if I'm spending time with my son watching a ball game. What am I more focused on, right? Versus if I just spend 30 minutes, he and I know distractions, being present, the evolution of our relationship and what we learn from each other and how we progress and how our, our love and respect for each other grows exponentially versus having a, a conversation once in a while in a three-hour football game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, Jamie, it's, we're yeah. not perfect with it. I just, just a final thought, like we're never going to be perfect yeah. with it. We're going to, it's, it's a new level of awareness where we will come back to it. You know, it's kind of like yeah. the breath in yoga, you know, you're going to have moments where your mind wanders, where your attention wanders, yeah. but when we have an awareness that we can come back to this. And again, it goes back to those, those touches and the practice of this. And I'm working on it every day in some capacity in some area of my life, but we just keep trying. We keep doing the work. Yeah. Yeah, it's a practice that matters. Mm-hmm. Being resilient. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> resilient with the practice. Jamie, one final question for you. Um, Miles didn't, he didn't want to ask it. He asked if I would ask it. He's wondering, <laughs> as the editor of the magazine, if uh, you now meeting him would want to do a centerfold fold out a la George Costanza style of him. <laughs> you remember that from Seinfeld? I do. Don't you think that would be great? I mean, look at the look at this guy. Yeah. I wish your listeners could see this, right? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Miles went into the closing. Miles, I will reach out to you separately if there are any opportunities that present themselves. Oh, <laughs> you, know, you can only do it if you put them in a big drawer, like that one episode where they opened the drawer and they had people sleeping in the big huge. All oh, right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Jamie is a pro. Do you realize how she just rejected you right there? If an opportunity presents, <laughs> and you're happy about it. You're happy that about is it. amazing. That is that is professional level rejection. Great job. She's an editor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so good. My goodness. Well, Jamie yeah. Martin, we really appreciate you coming on. And on that note, folks, it's time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, Jamie Martin, for joining us. My co-hosts, uh, Birthday Boy Miles and the Madonna impersonator, Casey. Uh, we've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, and took something with you that will help you in your personal evolution. So, Jamie, what is the best way for people to follow you and the great work that you're continuing to do? 
Right. So I'm on Instagram at Jamie Martin EL for Experience Life at the end of that. Um, also following the work of Experience Life magazine. It's experiencelife.com. And that will actually take you to el.lifetime.life, which is all under the Lifetime umbrella where all the work is coming together. So check us out there and check out Experience Life magazine. It's available on newsstands like Barnes and Noble and by subscription for even if you're not a member of Lifetime, you can subscribe to Experience Life. So. Yeah, it's actually one of two periodicals that I read. I don't read a lot of magazines anymore, uh, but Light Experience Life is, is one of two. And your podcast is called Lifetime Talks. Is that right? Lifetime Talks. And you can find that at el.lifetime.life as well. You just click on podcast in the drop down for extras and you'll find it there. Great. And on Apple and all the places, you know, same yeah. as you guys. That's where, that's where I listen to it is in, on Apple and all the places. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, how do people stay connected with us at Evolve? Yeah, we would want to see to have you on our journey. Please join us and share your stories. We're always involved together and great stories do that. So come see us, come join us at evolve-dot-com. Uh, or I'm sorry, evolve-cast.com. Sorry about that. And then at on our Instagram at evolve underscore cast. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Great. Miles, you're looking especially dapper tonight. I don't know if you noticed, but I've got the new Evolve Your Soul Ooh, t-shirt soul, on. You've got yeah. the Disrupt. How do people look as great as you? Well, I don't know if they want to look as great as me because there's so much more room up to look greater. But um, <laughs> if you want to start and use me as a baseline, head on over to the shop. We've got the new shirts that Cheeksy Steve is wearing, the new Evolve. Show it up. Pull it up, Steve. We've got well, Steve with his... They uh, can't see it. Evolve. They're listening to this. Oh, they can't see it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'll show you your, just you asked. It's amazing. If you could see... like way past your bedtime, apparently. I was yeah. covering my ass because I couldn't see the rest of the shirt. So <laughs> it is Evolve Your Soul. Evolve Your Soul. I have the Disrupt shirt on. And we've got a bunch of great gear over there. So folks, just head on over. Pick up something that speaks to your soul. Great. And uh, we want to thank our uh, evolutionary listeners for listening to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. And evolve. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Join us next week as we talk to our good friend, Nick Meekum, about the death penalty, political choice, and changing your opinion. That's next week on the Evolve Podcast.